It was a very cruel scene, executed in an unusual manner. Cruel Coven. Hello, little fluffy bunny cottontails. My name is Tori. I'm Katie. And welcome to Cruel and Unusual, the podcast. A podcast where we talk about true crime, murders, disappearances, unsolved cases, solved cases, conspiracies, mysteries, stuff like that. Yeah. Weird stuff. <laughs> I was cruel on a roll. stuff and unusual stuff. And if you like that kind of stuff, and not even if you like it, but if that is intriguing and interesting to you, and you want to know more about why people do terribly awful things. We are not qualified to tell you why they do them, but, but we're going to we, do it anyway. You can um, theorize with us. Yes. And normally we do a QOTDW, we do articles, but today we are going to get right into this case. And For no other reason besides the fact that we're tired. Yes, we are very tired. We've had a, We had a book signing this past weekend all the way in... Louisville, 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 Kentucky. (laughs) We had it all the way over there in Louisville, Kentucky, and we are just fucking tired, man. Mm -hmm. We can't do this. So we're just going to get right into the case. And next week, we'll be back on our typical bullshit. So, Tori, who are you telling me about today or what? What's going on? So today, I'm going to be telling you guys about the incredibly tragic murder of Christy Marceau. Christy Marceau was a first-year student at Auckland University of Technology in New Zealand. She was studying events management and had a dream to own her own company by the time she was 30 years old. Wow. That's quite a dream. Like an event planning company sort of thing? Yeah, something within events management. Mm -hmm. So that would be what I would assume. But I, I feel like there's probably like a wide array of things that we don't even know, like different companies that there could be that we don't know about. Oh, yeah, for sure. So who knows? Maybe she didn't know yet. True. Christy and her family lived in the suburb of Hillcrest on Auckland's North Shore. It's said that she was her parents, Tracy and Brian's miracle baby. They had their first daughter and named her Heather, and then they tried to get pregnant for another six years, or around six years, before finally welcoming their second-born child into the world, and that child is Christy. After they had both Heather and Christy, it's said that they truly felt like their family was complete. Heather and Christy had looked physically similar as children, but they had two very, very different personalities. It's said that Heather was serious and quiet, and that Christy was bubbly and mischievous. In the year 2011, Brian was working away from the home, having to fly to and from Australia for weeks at a time for his job. Heather had moved out of the home and started her own life. And Tracy and Christy, who was now 18, had planned to move to Adelaide in Australia to be closer to Brian's job. Christy was excited to transfer to a university in Adelaide and thought that the move held potential for her and her family. On the morning of Tuesday, September 6th of 2011, Christy was woken up by her cell phone ringing at approximately 10 in the morning. Before Christy could wake up and look at the caller ID, the phone stopped ringing. However, only seconds later, it started persistently ringing again. This time, she was able to answer it. She recognized the voice to be that of a man named Akshay Chan. The two worked at a local supermarket together, and they were, at best, acquaintances. The two were described as being friendly toward one another. Christy was a naturally friendly person and someone who went out of her way to make people feel accepted and welcomed wherever she was, would talk on Facebook Messenger occasionally and speak to Akshay during the shifts. So they worked at a grocery store together? Yeah, like a local supermarket type of place. Gotcha. He had been over to her house before, and he had only lived a couple of blocks away. Akshay had what were only described as quote-unquote issues early on in my research, but it was said that he was struggling and that he felt like he could talk to Christy about really just anything. When Christy was back in high school, there was one time in particular that she noticed a young boy standing alone, and he had told her that he was alone because he didn't have any friends. Christy took it upon herself to help him, like, acclimate to the school. 
introducing him to potential new friends. His mother later called the high school to pass on a compliment and her thanks to Christy. Oh, so do we think this is kind of what she was doing with Akshay? Yeah, yeah. I think that she was like, she was just being nice. Like, right. That was her personality. She wasn't someone who was going to like see someone and ignore them because she didn't feel like talking to them. Right, or blow them off. Yeah, she was someone who... Treated people like a person. Exactly, yeah. Christy also organized fundraisers, one specifically to end world hunger. She volunteered, and she had a large circle of friends. On that particular morning, when Christy was awoken by her phone ringing, Akshay told her, quote, I put 40 pills into a drink, and I've crushed them. If you don't get to my house within 10 minutes, I'm going to drink them. Oh, End quote. No. So what does Christy do? Being the kind-hearted and giving person that she is, she races to Akshay's home that he shares with his mother and his little sister. She didn't think twice about it. She just hurried as quickly as she could. She barely had time to get dressed, but she pulled on a jumper and black sweats over bikini bottoms and a blue shirt. And I think a jumper is like a sweater, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm pretty positive it's I was, a sweater, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I've heard the term jumper before. Uh-huh. And everything that I was reading was talking about a jumper and then the clothes under it. And I'm like, okay, it's a sweater. Right. Because a jumper here is like a dress, like a, yes. like a sleeveless. Yeah. Yeah. And I think. Smock dress. I think there, because this is in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. I think it's a, a sweater. Yeah. But I know that someone will correct me if I'm wrong. (laughs) Okay, so remember how I spoke about Christy and how she had, like, this naturally giving soul and a lot of friends? Mm -hmm. Okay, so Akshay was basically the complete opposite in terms of a social circle. He didn't have many friends. He was socially awkward, especially around women. But he was incredibly intelligent. He felt very dismal about his future unsure of what his future held and where his life was going, while Christy had a life plan that she wanted to follow and dreams that were well within her reach. So you really couldn't find two different people. Right, yeah. But I can see how someone in his position or mindset would gravitate toward her. Of course. You know? She basically, like, kind of, like, is the epitome of what a lot of young people want for for themselves mm-hmm. and, like, who they want to be. Like, right. she kind of seems like... She knows what she's doing. Like, she's got stuff figured out, at least for right now. Yeah. You know, and maybe that'll change later. But right now, she's doing good. She's doing well for herself. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he wasn't. So Akshay Chan and his family had immigrated to New Zealand when he was only four years old. He and Christy actually attended the same primary school called Willow Park Primary School. But they ended up going to different high schools. When they started working at the same market, they met each other as adults. Him working at the meat counter and Christy working at a checkout station. Oh, so this wasn't like a completely new thing. No. And and I'm not sure like how big that primary school was. Like, did they... If they really knew each other yeah, then. Yeah. Like, did they know each other, know each other? Did they know of each other? Or mm-hmm. was it so big that they had no idea of each other? Gotcha. Okay. You know? So I'm not sure. In June of 2011, Christy quit her job at the market, and so she saw considerably less of Akshay Chan, until, that is, the morning of that phone call. When Christy made it over to Akshay's apartment building, he let her inside and then locked the door behind them. She immediately asked him where the drink was, and he told her that he wasn't stupid and that he hid it because he didn't want her to find it. She had seen white powder, or at least, like, the residue from white powder, Mm -hmm. on a bench top. So she was pretty sure that he actually did at least crush pills. Okay. Christy did her best to remain calm for herself and for him. She told him that she thought he would benefit from talking to someone by getting some sort of professional help and by working on the issues that he had previously told her about. He got increasingly upset at the mention of this and started rattling off about how Christy hadn't exactly tried to continue their friendship after leaving the supermarket and how she hadn't attempted to be his friend really at all and how she could have, at the very least, spared maybe five-ish minutes to check in on him and ask how he was doing. Christy did her best to try and de-escalate the situation, trying to make Akshay understand that she like herself she was not able to professionally help him Mm -hmm. not with the problems that he was facing she was talking about how she was only 18 she wasn't a mental health professional and he said he didn't need a mental health professional that he needed her oh Mm -hmm. he then started telling her about being diagnosed with cancer cervical cancer um 
Um, what? Mm-hmm. And Christy, Christy really kind of, she got upset about this because she felt like making up a story about having cancer was really just crossing a line. Like, who makes up a lie like that? That's not okay. Mm-hmm. That isn't cool. That's not something that you do. She called him out on that because she couldn't contain, like, the, the, the gross feeling right. that she had about that. Like, it's one thing to have some mental health things going on, to feel like you need a friend to listen to, a mm-hmm. listening ear, whatever. But he was taking it really, really far now. He wanted a lot more from her than she was going to be able to a- ever Willing and him. able, yeah. Yeah. Or even wanted to. And cervical cancer? She called him out on that, on the fact that men don't get cervical cancer. And then he changed his story, saying he was diagnosed with prostate cancer. Okay. So it's probably safe to assume that he didn't have cancer right. of any kind. Right. Not cervical. He just pulled Not a prostate. type out of his ass. Yes. No pun intended. I'm really sorry about that. Okay. So sometime after this, he reached into the back of his track pants that he was wearing and pulled out a 20 centimeter kitchen knife. Oh. So just for like my inch, my inches, people. This is like just shy of around eight inches. He started frantically waving the knife around in the air and said, quote, this is how it's going to go if you scream. I'm going to knife you. Mm. End quote. So at this point, Christy couldn't control her sobbing. She was probably absolutely terrified. That's horrifying. Yeah. She wanted to text someone for help, but Akshay realized her intent before she could even follow through with it, and he took her phone away from her. She tried her best to keep a hold of it, but he told her that they could either do things the easy way or the hard way, and she chose to try and keep him as calm as she possibly could. Mm-hmm. Akshay then got into his disgusting to-do list for their time together. He wanted to first scare her he wanted to then enact revenge on her for abandoning their friendship and thus him and thirdly he wanted to kill himself akshay told christy to take off her jumper and to give it to him he then demanded that she take off her blue top and she adamantly refused he told her she knew what would happen if she didn't listen to him and she obliged not wanting to escalate this already terrifying situation she did as he said He then started just ranting and raving about capitalism as Christy unclothed. He was also talking about like, um, like spiritual things. Mm -hmm. Like he said at one, at one time that a devil tried to grab him and then he was like fighting this ongoing battle against the devil ever since then. He said that Christy and people like Christy cause other people to suffer that she just couldn't check in on him and be a friend to him in his time of need until it was far too late. Christy asked Akshay if he planned on killing her through her tears and her cries and her begging and pleading. And I could just only imagine like in that moment how terrified she probably was to ask that question, not knowing what the answer is going to be, but like bracing yourself. Oh, shit. Yeah. After she asked that, Akshay reminded her of his three main goals, to terrify her, to get revenge on her, and then to kill himself. He then revealed the way that he aimed to get his revenge against Christy, and that was by raping her. (sighs) Christy obviously lost it. She broke down. She started crying, terrified, not knowing how to get herself out of the situation, if she should try and fight against him or try to calm him down. It's like such a fine line. Right. You know what I mean? Because you don't know how that person is going to act. And clearly, we are not dealing with someone who is going to act rationally. Right. It could go any direction. And we are always told, usually told, to comply. Right. For the best possible outcome. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. But you don't know. (sighs) I feel like it really depends on your assaulter. So she's trying to decide what to do when all of a sudden Akshay tells her to leave. He gives her her cell phone and her clothes, but Christy didn't trust his quick change of heart. Mm -mm. She felt like the moment that she turned her back to go towards that door, he would lunge at her and kill her. Oh, yeah. He then said, quote, I'm going to let you go, but I'm going to drink this drink when you leave, end quote. So talk about mind games. Jesus. Like this man lured her there. Made her, tried to make her feel bad for not being there for him when it wasn't her job to be there Mm -hmm. for them, for him. He was an acquaintance of hers. Right. And she was not a mental health professional. And then told her he was going to rape her, tells her to go, but then says, basically, if you walk out that door, I will kill myself. Mm -hmm. 
it's the mind it's mind games it's manipulation saying that it, it will be your fault exactly if i do this so christy despite this man luring her to his home and holding her against her will and, and saying that he was going to rape her she still felt this intense urge to stop him from harming himself because that is the kind of person that christy was so she asked him to please not drink that drink with the pills in it akshay was insistent and christy ran not stopping until she was safely inside of her vehicle with the doors locked. Really? Yeah. Wow. So she she said, "Please don't do it." Uh-huh. But then she she bolted. Yeah. Because that you got to protect yourself. Exactly. Tell me one person who wouldn't have done that. Yeah. I would. Right. I and don't then, even know if I would have said that. I would have just ran. Right. You know what I mean? I would have yeah. just ran and I wouldn't have even thought to say that. Mm-hmm. But like that was the kind of person that she was. Yeah. Caring um, about someone even after they attempted to assault her. Mhm. That was who she was, and I feel like that speaks volumes about her character. Well, for sure. Christy's mother, Tracy, was at work when her cell phone started ringing around approximately 11.30 that morning. Tracy's mother, Christy's grandmother, Shirley, was calling her. Shirley lived with the family. When Tracy picked up the phone, she could hear Christy clearly upset, crying in the background. And Shirley said, quote, Love, I think you better come home. Christy has been attacked, mm. end quote. When I was reading that quote, I was just thinking, like, that is one of a mother's worst nightmares. Mm -hmm. Like, being separated from your child and hearing that something is wrong with them. Right. Yeah. You you can't – there's not a whole lot that is worse than that. So I can only imagine how completely terrified Tracy was driving to that house. Yeah. And Grandma. Yeah. Oh, Grandma. Poor Shirley. Cheryl. Gosh. Okay, so Tracy raced home. She got there in around 15 minutes, and Christy immediately clung on to her, shaking uncontrollably and unable to let her mother go. Christy explained what happened at Akshay's apartment. I can't believe she drove home. I know. Was able to drive home. I know. Wow. It's probably good that it was only a few blocks, because that would be hard. Yeah. Like, because her mind was probably, like, it was probably, she was probably running on pure adrenaline. Right. But also... How horrifying that it was only a few blocks. Exactly. Shit. Yep. Tracy had later said that she didn't know Akshay well. She knew that he was a lonely man and that he didn't have many friends. And on one occasion, when the family got home on a Sunday, Akshay was waiting in their driveway. Mm. Christy stayed outside and spoke to him for a little while, and then he went on his way. Christy had told her mother, Tracy, that he just needed someone to talk to. Tracy felt kind of uncomfortable with his presence. And she told Christy that she would rather her not speak to him anymore. But Christy told her that there was nothing to be worried about. Moms know. Moms know. So Christy and Tracy went to the North Shore Police Department to file an official statement about what Akshay did to her. Christy told authorities that she could actually hear Akshay's neighbors and she tried to gain their attention by crying louder and louder. She learned in criminal minds that sometimes you need to try and appease your attacker. So she tried that too. Criminal minds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was smart of her to try and make more noise. Yeah. Without, like, saying help. Right. You know what I mean? Because that would make him more mad. She told authorities that she felt the strong urge to try and escape, but that she didn't want to try and fail and to make him even more mad and upset with her. She said that she thought that maybe she should just let him stab her just once and he would snap out of whatever it was he was doing and thinking. Oh, Yeah. Like, after he hurt her, he would be like, oh, my gosh, look what I just did. Yeah. You know? She wasn't sure why he changed his mind and decided to let her leave his apartment, but she felt like he was going to come after her again and that he wasn't finished. She confessed that he had been stalking her and that her parents were not in the know about this. He had left her a note in her mailbox confessing his love for her. He repeatedly insisted on Christy becoming his counselor of sorts, and he followed her home before. She informed authorities that he had tried to give her what was described as a large sum of money as a gift, but that she refused. Oh, maybe I can buy her. Yeah. If my other tactics aren't working. Yes. No. He just continued insisting until she took it, and she only planned to keep it, like, just hold it for him until whenever he said he wanted it back, and she knew him well because he did ask for it back not long after. She also told authorities about Akshay's complete and utter disdain for capitalism and how he talked about it frequently and how he told her that it ruined his family and about how when she left the supermarket, he also quit, saying there was no need to be there if she wasn't. Wow. After her statement was given, it really just kind of like 
set in how terrified Christy was, and that Akshay still being out there was putting Christy and her family in an incredibly compromising position. Detectives were sent to his apartment to arrest him for attacking and holding Christy against her will with the intent to rape her. However, when they got there, he was already gone. He had crushed multivitamins and put them into the drink that he told Christy about. He had read somewhere that if a person consumed enough multivitamins, like multivitamins in excess, that it would be toxic to the human body. Oh, I didn't know that. Is it true? I don't know. At first, I thought you were going to say he did that, like, just to say he put pills in it, but he didn't really want to hurt himself. Yeah. Like, to further manipulate her. Right. He did drink the multivitamin-infested drink. Hmm. However, his 16-year-old little sister came home shortly after, and he had her call an ambulance for him. Paramedics arrived and took him to the emergency room at North Shore, and it was there that he was evaluated by a psychiatric nurse. He told the nurse that he felt depressed and unloved and that his parents didn't seem to notice or didn't seem to care about the struggles that he was having. So I was thinking about not putting any of his backstory in here because I do not want to give this man power. I don't even want to be saying his name. But at the same time, I feel like it is somewhat necessary Mm -hmm. to look at his past at least just a little bit so you can kind of see this like poor evolution Mm -hmm. of this man and how he got to this point. There isn't a lot of information about his past out there anyway, so there's not that much to, to even be talking about. Right. When Akshay was a young boy, he was said to have been quiet, reserved, and shy. It is said that he did experience some periods of happiness in his life when he was younger, but for the most part, he didn't have the best upbringing. When he was just eight years old, his family moved to Wales for his father's work. He said he was the happiest he had ever been when he was in Wales. However, around two years later, his parents separated and he, his mom, and his little sister relocated back to New Zealand. He didn't see or hear from his father much after that, according to him. He did well in school. His teacher described the young Akshay as smart, polite, and full of potential. However, once he got into his teen years, all of that changed. He didn't end up graduating from high school, his social life became fairly non-existent, and he started to withdraw, staying in his bedroom to be alone. He enjoyed playing chess online, reading, and listening to music, alone. After reading the book Capital, a critique of political economy, or sometimes known as Das Capital, by Karl Marx, he became overwhelmingly infatuated with capitalism. So for those of you, I I would assume that most of you know who Karl Marx is, but if you don't, he was the philosopher who developed the Marxism theory, which is essentially just a theory that studies the relationship and struggle between the capitalist and the working class. Mm Mm-hmm. So Akshay reads this book and he kind of just goes off the rails. He becomes obsessed with capitalism. He starts sleeping during the day because he's having insomnia during the night. And he's definitely exhibiting signs of depression. But it's not known if his family maybe either didn't notice or didn't help him get help. It's said that his mother told him that he could either go back to school or he could go out and get a job to contribute to the household. He chose to get a job at the market, which is where he and Christy became acquaintances. It seemed like he almost just latched onto her. And that's probably how a lot of people were around her because of her welcoming, down-to-earth, just incredible personality. I'm looking at a picture of her right now. She's got an incredible smile. Yeah. Wow. And, and super infectious. Wow. She was gorgeous. Yeah, she, she really was. Okay, so back to the day that he lured her to his apartment. So he goes for his ambulance ride to the, to the emergency room, and he tells hospital staff about feeling rejected by his peers. He talked about a lot of things, about like a lot of like depressive symptoms and feeling sad and feeling bad and things like that. But the one thing he did not acknowledge was that morning's events. Mm. The doctor who was overseeing his care there, um, it was actually a doctor who was training and studying to become a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. This doctor actually ended up diagnosing Akshay with depression and with suicidal ideations. There was no symptoms of psychosis noted, but there were narcissistic traits noted. Obviously, like we could have all guessed that and seen Mm -hmm. that coming. Akshay was prescribed an anti-depression medicine, and he was also referred to a community mental health organization. 
Once the police realized he wasn't at his house, they found him at the hospital and they went to speak to him to interview him about what happened with Christy. While being interviewed, he responded mostly with just simple phrases like yes or no. Mainly yes. He did admit to everything that Christy had told the local authorities, and he admitted to those actions within only minutes of the police interviewing him. Wow. Akshay was charged with kidnapping, assault with intent to commit sexual violation, and threatening to do bodily harm. He was transferred from North Shore Hospital to the police station for a more formal interview. Akshay told authorities about his plan to rape Christy, about how he changed his mind, let her go, etc. He told them about his plan to enact revenge on her, and that it was due to feeling like she didn't help him in a way that he wanted to be helped, like with his depression and all of his other problems that he had. Obviously, authorities were incredibly concerned due to the graphic and severe nature of what he, was, of what he did to her. So although he had never been in trouble before and he had no previous record, it was apparent that he was a threat to Christy. Authorities felt like he should remain in jail with no bond until he had a day in court. A detective named Sergeant James Watson prepared a document called Grounds for Opposing Bail. And inside of that document, he wrote that Akshay Chan admitted to holding Christy against her will. He also admitted his plan for revenge against her by committing sexual assault. Now, Akshay being incarcerated was basically just, like, a given. Mm. Because of the severity of what he did and what he was trying to do to Christy, alongside of his confession to that crime, it was pretty much a given that he was going to jail. The detective sergeant made sure to detail, though, the fact that Christy made it known how afraid she was of Akshay, and that she hoped he would have to stay in jail for what he did, because she felt he wasn't finished with her yet. Akshay ended up going to court. His attorney said that since he was only 18, because he had no prior convictions or a record, that he should therefore be granted bail. New Zealand's Bail Act at that specific time stated that defendants over 17 and under 20 must be released on bail unless prior convictions are on their record. What? Okay. I get it. I get it. There are factors that go into that. Yeah. I understand. Sure. But he is clearly, the police even said, clearly he is a threat to her when is it going to be about her instead of him and how good of a kid he's been thus far right exactly that's not fair there that is if if things would not have worked out how they worked out that factor may almost be laughable because Mm -hmm. a criminal is not a criminal when they're born like they're like they don't have a record when they're born but they're still going to be a criminal eventually right right so everyone's record was clean at one point And And then they make a choice. And some people who don't have a record yet just haven't gotten caught. Exactly. Exactly. So everyone has a clean record at some fucking point. How much weight can you put on that versus someone's threat that they're posing? Right. So his attorney went on to say that the mental health concerns regarding her client would no longer be a problem because he was going to be starting prescribed medications from North Shore the antidepressants okay wow okay that that, clearly she doesn't deal with mental illness because anyone who either cares for someone with a mental illness or is someone who is diagnosed with a mental illness knows you don't just throw a medication at them and everything is great no can i tell you something trial and error i tried six antidepressants i now i wasn't a threat to anyone but myself yeah six and a treatment a different sort of treatment right before I found something that actually worked. And and it takes a while. It takes a while. Most of them take a while to build up in your system. So then it's trial and error for a long time. A long time. And some of these have adverse reactions. And since he had never been on any kind of medication like that before, you don't know what those adverse reactions are going to be. Is it going to heighten right. Mm-hmm. His symptoms? Is it going to lessen them? Is it going to do anything at all? So her statement, his attorney's statement that that wasn't a factor anymore is complete and total bullshit right and then also is he still going to be homicidal right with some serotonin with some extra serotonin right that because he's on an antidepressant it does not mean shit i'm sorry exactly so she said that he would take his medicine he would live with his mother in that apartment and he would follow up with a psychiatry appointment within one week after his release from jail keep in mind that apartment is blocks from christie's house right The prosecutor told Judge Barbara Morris that Akshay's mom's house was just not an appropriate place for him to be placed. 
because of how close he was to Christie's house, mm-hmm. that that would be completely, it would just, it, that would be bad news. The prosecutor said that he could walk there within five minutes. Wow. Judge Morris said that she would only consider allowing him to have bail if he would go stay at a mental health facility. However, New Zealand's Mental Health Act more than likely would keep him from being a candidate for those certain facilities due to him not exhibiting certain behaviors. So New Zealand has a Mental Health Act. I'm sure most places have some kind of like mental health acts or mental health um, rules and regulations set Mm -hmm. forth. So one of the like kind of explanations that I found for one of New Zealand's mental health acts or the mental health act, I don't know if there's multiple. I don't know. I'm not. I'm very ignorant when it comes to New Zealand law, but I tried my best to research. (laughs) So this one says, quote, the mental health act sets out circumstances in which people may be subject to compulsory psychiatric assessment and treatment to be admitted under the act. A person must be assessed as meeting the two step definition of mental disorder. The act defines the rights of such people and provides protections for those rights, end quote. He probably wasn't just going to sign himself in, mm-hmm. or he could maybe then sign himself out unless there was some kind, unless he fell into that act category. Right, right. And since the only diagnoses that he had was depression and suicidal ideation, um, he probably did not fall under that umbrella mm-hmm. of, of that act. It's just what I'm assuming. I don't know for sure. Gotcha. So the judge then ordered a full psychiatric assessment and denied his bail. The judge said that they needed to take Christie's wishes into concern, as well as her anxiety with him being out in the world. Thank you, judge. Yes. The judge said that a full forensic report needed to be obtained, and until then, they would not consider bail. Christie was incredibly worried. She had extreme anxiety, even though he was still in jail at this point. Her dad was still away on business and had no idea what was going on. Mm. Christy was afraid if they told him he would leave his job early and she didn't want to compromise his job. After the attack, Christy started sleeping in the bedroom with her mom because she was so upset and so nervous. Eventually, after moving to the room next to her mom, she decided that she was going to be able to go back to her room on the ground floor level of the home. She took baby steps until she was comfortable. Christy's life was also changed by way of the fact that she couldn't take public transportation anymore. She was just so afraid mm-hmm. that he that he was going to pop up somewhere right. or something would happen or maybe this type of thing would happen again. Like that what she went through was incredibly traumatic and it, her brain was probably not only worried about him, but probably worried about any man. Right. You know what I mean? And I Not that I, I don't know that for sure, but it changes you. She started seeing a therapist and keeping a diary. Her biggest fear was that he would get out of jail. And then come for her. She was scared for herself, her family, or even another woman. In early November of that year, her life started to kind of sort of attempt to get back to normal. His trial was scheduled for November 9th. And the family had actually started planning to move to Adelaide, like I had said in the very beginning. On Monday, November 7th, Tracy got up early to get ready for work. And she followed her typical morning routine. But what wasn't typical was a knock sounding at the front door around 7 in the morning. Christy was still in bed, and on the doorstep was a young man that she didn't recognize at first. No. She opened the door, and then she realized it was Akshay Chan holding a knife. He forced himself inside of the home as Tracy screamed, trying to alert her daughter or even neighbors. Akshay threatened Tracy with the knife, and Tracy quickly said that her husband was home, even if, even though he wasn't, and it seemed as if Akshay knew that she was lying about this. Tracy's screams woke Christy up, and Christy came towards the top of the stairs. She saw Akshay and screamed, terrified, obviously. Akshay then pointed the knife towards Tracy, but made his way towards Christy. Her worst nightmare is literally coming true before her eyes. Yes. Akshay kicked her in the chest, causing her to fall down the stairs, but she was able to get back up. She fell again before getting back up again and then started running out towards the garden in the back by the flat that her grandmother lived in. Tracy quickly tried to call authorities, thinking that while she was calling authorities, Christy would make it out to the grandma's flat and be able to lock herself inside. So Tracy calls, she tells the operator on the phone what's going on and gives them their address. And then she heard Christy's terrible scream oh my god this led her to the deck outside where christy was laying with blood pooling beneath her tracy raced towards her and picked her up cradling her in her arms as akshay chan stood to the side just watching them 
Tracy had later said that it looked like her daughter was trying to tell her something, but before she could, she saw the life drain out of her sweet daughter's eyes. Tracy screamed at Akshay that he killed her daughter, and he said, quote, I'm glad, end quote. Fuck you. When authorities arrived only minutes later, Akshay was still in the backyard, his bent knife laying on the ground, and he was listening to music on his iPod. One of the officers saw his hands shaking and asked why, and Akshay said that it isn't easy to kill someone. Akshay was then arrested and taken to North Shore Police Station. Tracy had to tell her daughter, Heather, and her husband, Brian, that Christy had passed away. Heather came, obviously, right away, but Brian had to fly via two flights from Australia to get back to Auckland. This was exactly what the entire family was afraid of. So Akshay had been granted bail one month earlier. She was failed. Yeah. Yeah, she was. Judge Morris, if you remember, had denied bail first, requiring other reports before granting bail. His age and the lack of any priors entitled him to bail under the New Zealand law, as I mentioned. His lawyer filed a second application soon after the initial denial from, from Judge Morris. He started on his medication and he had mental health reviews. He also wrote a letter to the court. Oh, this ought to be great. The letter reads, quote, To your honor. I'm incredibly sorry for the ordeal I put Christy through. I'm only remorseful for my actions. I know she will sooner forgive me than I will forgive myself. Given the chance, I will apologize to her, her parents, and anyone else affected. Ironically, the last thing she said to me was that she was sorry. It's only after the events of the day she realized how much pain depression caused me and how much I needed her and vice versa. She was my emotional outlet. There was nothing that I couldn't tell her and vice versa. She's really adamant, and I'm sure she feels she's to blame. She acknowledges that her absence led to the escalation and the impending event that occurred. But as modest as she is, truthfully, the blame is on my shoulders. I take full responsibility for my actions and accept the consequences of my wrongdoings. In my defense, what I did was aided by great psychological pressure. The kind of pressure that arises when you're sitting at the dining room table crushing up pills. And in your head, you believe that no one cares if you live or die. I was desperate, vulnerable, and exploited my own weakness. I will do everything in my power to get the help I need. I've been put on antidepressants and am willing to receive counseling. I wish I had only asked for help earlier. Yours sincerely, Akshay Chand. Christy had also written a letter. Christy's letter said, I wish to oppose Akshay receiving bail, as the events have made me wary of his intentions. I worry for my safety because of this, and particularly as my father is currently on a fly-in, fly-out job in Australia, which reduces the support I can rely on. Akshay's family, mother, and auntie live close to my home, so I feel that he may play on my thoughts as he knows my father is away for a reasonable period, but he also knows my routine traveling to uni and where I work in the city. I am worried that he may still try to get revenge on me as he is already in trouble and has nothing to lose if he tries again. This causes me to fear for my safety. I catch the bus to uni or work every weekday, traveling from my local stop to the city. So I'm worried that living close by, he would be able to follow me and get on the bus, as it is very public and I feel that I will be very vulnerable. I also have exams for university coming up and wish to be able to concentrate on my studies and not have it constantly on my mind that he is out and has the possibility of getting me again. I would like to get on with my life, but at present I need to know that I don't have to encounter him as I try to restore my faith in people, as this has caused me a lot of distress. Christy Marceau. The application was heard on October 5th before Judge David McNaughton. The judge was aware of Christy's letter and the authorities' viewpoint as well that he should stay in and not have bail. Despite all of this, he decided to grant bail anyway. The judge ordered Akshay to be in his home which was 350 meters away from Christie's, that he would be under constant supervision and he could not leave unless there was a medical or a legal appointment with an adult. He could not have contact with Christie. And who was going to enforce this? Exactly. The police were upset, it said. The police said that they would do checks on Christie's house 
and all of the officers working on North Shore were briefed on Chan and what he had done. During the 32 days that he was out, police checked on him 23 times, and each of the 23 times, he was home. Once he was let out, Christie's anxiety and fear obviously skyrocketed, and any progress that she had made was lost, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. 32 days after being granted bail, Akshay chose to go to her home and murder her. When forensic experts processed the crime scene, Akshay's knife was bent and broken due to the severity and how hard he was stabbing her and how many times he had stabbed her. There was blood spatter everywhere. He had stabbed her between 10 and 15 times. God. He attacked her from behind and somehow struck her in the head, which caused her to fall down, and he then stabbed her in the back repeatedly. If there is any comfort, any comfort at all, to be had, it's said that she probably wouldn't have felt much after that. Mm. Yeah. Detective Darren Atwood interviewed Akshay Chan after the attack that took Christie's life. Akshay admitted everything. He had been planning to murder her all along. He couldn't stop thinking about the need for revenge against her. He wanted to get out of jail. He knew that by writing about his remorse to the judge and to the court, he had a better chance of getting out so he could kill her. Mm-hmm. He was fucking manipulative. Right. Akshay knew that he could not murder her right away because everyone would be on guard. The judge ordered him to be under constant supervision. However, he was in a one-parent household, and she worked, and his younger sister tried to not be home. Also, like, his younger sister would not be in charge of him. Well, and yeah, if you're going to have him under constant supervision, quote-unquote, check on him 20-something times in 30-something days, and not let him leave unless, you know, for whatever, the legal shit and doctors. Why does he need to be out on bail? Exactly. I get people have fucking rights, but people also have rights to not be terrified in their own homes and to live. His younger sister actually tried to not be home. His mom had hid knives beneath the oven in a compartment, Mm. but he knew that she was doing that, and he stole a knife about a week before he committed the murder. That morning, he woke up around 6.30 a.m., and he knew that that was the day he was going to murder Christy. He planned it. He had to go back to court only two days later, and he said, quote, when you've got nothing to lose, nothing to gain, it becomes completely viable to kill someone, no. end quote. No. So he brushed his hair, which wasn't normal for him. He got a stashed bag from his closet with a knife. His sister was in bed. His mom was at work. And he left his home, walking to Christie's house. He listened to Up on the Ladder by Radiohead as he walked there on repeat. I'm just going to read a couple of the lines. All the right moves and in the right places. Watch me dance. I'm a puppet. You can almost see the strings. Give me an answer. Give me a line. I've been climbing up this ladder. I've been wasting my time. Up on the ladder, we're all tied to a stake. Up on the ladder, we wait for your mistake. Up on the ladder, try to call out your name. Up on the ladder, you're all the fucking same. So that is what he was listening to as he was walking to Christie's home to murder her. Akshay later told the detectives how he got there, how he got around Tracy, and how he chased Christy through the house and out towards the garden where she was trying to unlatch a gate when he caught her. He stabbed her until his knife was bent and he could no longer use it. He then talked about how he felt absolutely no guilt and no remorse as he saw Tracy holding Christy in her arms. He said, quote, she deserved to die because she let me down, end quote. So Akshay was charged with murder. He told authorities that he had a female counterpart and that she would continue on even if he was locked up. He did not file or apply for bail. He accomplished his mission. Yeah. God. Tracy went to North Shore two days later to provide a statement. It said that she had to take medication to even get through it. She had immense guilt. She was basically feeling guilty because she was the one who opened the door to Akshay before she realized who he was. And then she also had guilt that she had called police instead of trying to fight him off. Tracy said that she was tormented by the thought of how scared her daughter must have been in her final moments of life. Yeah. Quote, All I can see, all I will ever see, is my daughter lying on my lap, gasping, covered in blood, and just dying for some pointless reason. He just stood there and watched it. He didn't even try to get away. What sort of person is that? End quote. After Christie's kidnapping that previous September, she told her friend that if she died unexpectedly, she wanted a celebration where people could have fun and a celebration that would reflect the type of woman that she was. 
Her family selected a bright turquoise colored casket. Turquoise was her favorite color. Her boyfriend, which yes, she did have a boyfriend, helped choose her final resting clothing. And she was laid to rest on November 12th, which was a Saturday, five days after her murder. So many people were there that people had to stand outside. It was just filled. Wow. Christy had this extreme passion for life, and people could not believe that that passion had burned out. And it didn't burn out on its own. It was at the hands of a man who had no fucking right to determine if she lived or died. No. Investigators were confident that Akshay would be convicted of Christie's murder and, and also the earlier charges of kidnapping and assault. He had already confessed, and he went into detail about his crimes. And he was there right. holding the bent knife. Exactly. Right. I mean... His trial was scheduled for October the next year. However, news had later broke that he was pleading not guilty by reason of insanity. He had undergone examinations by mental health officials where he stated that he felt depression and hopelessness, but denied experiencing any psychotic symptoms like hallucinations, seeing visions, or hearing voices. After the murder, Chan's lawyer had him assessed by Dr. David Chaplow, a leading forensic psychiatrist in New Zealand. Akshay told the doctor that in January of 2011, he started hearing a female-sounding voice in his head, and sometimes it sounded like a humming noise or a singing noise, but sometimes he heard words too. He said that the voice was clearer in the morning than it was in the evening, and that At first, he thought her name was Lorelai, but later realized that her name was Pauline, and it was a girl that he went to school with back in Wales. Akshay said that Pauline told him that he needed to kill Christy because she was possessed by the devil. He tried resisting her, but in the days before he murdered her, the voice became clearer and more persistent. He said Pauline told him he needed to kill a couple of other people, too. During a second interview by Dr. Chaplow, which was conducted after he started an antipsychotic medication, Akshay told the doctor that he no longer heard those voices. Remorse was quite literally still nowhere to be found. However, he did say that living the rest of his life knowing what he did would be challenging for him. Oh, is it challenging for you? Is it? Through the interviews and sessions with Dr. Chaplow, something the doctor kept in mind was that he had fooled people before. Multiple people. Mm-hmm. But Chaplow started to believe that if anything, he was lying then when he was pretending to be cold-hearted and merciless. And he was covering for those voices in his head that he was hearing. Trouble sleeping, lack of motivation, fluctuating weight, social withdrawal. He had been experiencing all of those symptoms for years. And it turns out that those symptoms that they had thought were just strictly depression were also symptoms of schizophrenia. And normally schizophrenia begins in like young adulthood years, like Mm -hmm. 20 to 25 or something like that. thinking that at the very beginning, but what do I know? What do you know? What do I know? Not a whole hell of a lot. People with schizophrenia typically have depression too, or maybe not typically, but they can because those two can go hand in hand. Once the depression is being treated by medication, the schizophrenia symptoms are then further exposed. Dr. Chaplow thinks that when he killed Christy, he was psychotic and that he was unaware that he was experiencing auditory hallucinations. Although he was doing this, the nature of his illness meant that he did not know what he was doing was wrong at that moment of time. He didn't think he was psychotic during the kidnapping because he let her go. Maybe this could have been because his illness was in an earlier stage, Mm -hmm. the doctor said. Dr. Chaplow's report was sent to the prosecution team. The prosecution had Akshay evaluated as well by Professor Graham Melsop. The professor wanted to make sure his symptoms were not being faked. He examined the reports from the attacks and noticed that when he assaulted her in September, he was clear with the authorities about how and why he kidnapped Christy. He then noted how during the murder, he referred to a female accomplice, which he believes was Pauline, obviously. He interviews Akshay, and he told the same exact story to this professor as he did to Chaplow. The professor noted that sometimes Akshay would make words up, or he would use these, or he would use words in weird ways. Statements from people who knew Chan indicated that he had been thinking in a very distorted way for quite some time. 
He had been fixated on capitalism, which we've talked about. He had been telling people about the cervical cancer, which we talked about. And symptoms of schizophrenia were not new. Akshay's dad had depression and mental illness ran in that side of his family, including schizophrenia. Professor Melsop also determined that when he went to Christie's house to murder her, he was legally insane. And this was not good for the prosecution, Mm -hmm. obviously. They had a third psychiatrist come in as well. And that psychiatrist came in with the exact same findings. All experts agreed that he could not be held legally responsible for her murder. The Crown solicitor, Simon Moore, had to tell Christie's family Tracy and Brian had moved to Adelaide. There were just too many really horrible memories in Auckland for Mm -hmm. them. Simon Moore flew there to tell them in person. They were devastated, obviously, to hear that there wouldn't be a trial. And they found it very hard to believe that he was insane and that was just the end of it. Right. Tracy said that Akshay had appeared cold and extremely rational. They then met with Professor Graham Melsab in person to try and understand everything. He told the family that it was definitely possible for Akshay to carry out pre-planned actions while suffering from a disease that would impact his moral understanding. That's what I was curious about. Because he definitely pre-planned it and manipulated people. For months and months and months. To allow it to happen. Yeah. Yeah. On September 27th of 2012, Akshay pled guilty to kidnapping, assault with intent to commit sexual violation, and threatening to do bodily harm. One month later, he was in Auckland's high court for an insanity hearing. The experts who assessed him said that he should be detained indefinitely as a special patient. He was a threat to the public. There was a low chance of recovery from his disease because of the young age at the onset. Justice Helen Winkleman ordered a special patient order be made for Akshay. He would be detained indefinitely at the Mason Clinic in Auckland that provides forensic mental health services. He will only be released if he is ever found to not be a danger to the public. Christie's parents gave the justice Christie's diary, which they had never read. But since she could not be there herself to talk about everything that she had gone through, they felt important that the court read it. The justice sentenced him to three years for kidnapping, two years for the assault, and one year for the intent to do bodily harm. And he would be serving all of those years in the Mason Clinic as well. Okay. Tracy and Brian addressed the media following all of this, and her dad said that no sentence would ever be enough, that it would never bring back his daughter or make them feel like justice was done. No. And he said, quote, for us, he will always be Christie's murderer and he will always be guilty, end quote. The family couldn't understand why bail was ever approved in the first place, and their daughter would be alive if he had not gotten bail. Right. One decision. One decision. The Sensible Sentencing Trust got in touch with the Marceau family and helped them campaign to amend bail laws. This led to the Bail Amendment Act being passed in 2013. This act would make the defendant show that they were not a threat to their community rather than the police arguing the opposite. In June of 2017, an inquest was held into Christie's death to explore the circumstances of why Akshay Chan was granted bail. Judge David McNaughton, who has never given a public interview, was not there as a witness and did not have to be there as a witness due to New Zealand law preventing judges from being called to give evidence. New Zealand. The inquest took place over 13 days in which the coroner handed over a 127-page report in March of the following year. She found Christie was let down by multiple systemic failures, which is what we've said, and lack of a collaboration between departments and agencies ultimately was her, the demise of everything. Mm-hmm. Judge Barbara Morris, the first judge to hear the bail request, had requested an electronic monitoring assessment be completed for Akshay, which would involve a GPS monitor being put on him. But this never happened. The judge denied bail in part to the closeness of the two homes. And it's said that Judge McNaughton was never told how close the homes were. It's kind of important. Yeah. The police prosecutor at the second hearing had the information, but supposedly did not share it with Judge McNaughton, saying that the judge seemed uninterested and did not give her the opportunity to speak. Oh, 
She said he had already made his mind up. Well, that's not really you. You still have to give information. Right. In my opinion. The judge was said to have also believed the mother, sister, or aunt would stay with him at all times. Apparently, Chan's lawyer mistakenly identified the sister as a university student when she was actually younger than him. The judge also is said to have not known that his mother worked or that his aunt needed to not be in the home all the time. Akshay's family said that they were not made aware that they needed to provide constant supervision to him. Jesus Christ. Does anybody know what they're doing? No. Is anybody competent here? No. It is no one's fault but Akshay that Akshay killed her. Right. But this all could have been prevented yep. if people did their fucking jobs. Right. Akshay Chan's initial mental health reviews were rushed and there was no proper risk assessment, the coroner said. The coroner gave 10 recommendations to the police department, to the Ministry of Justice, to the Department of Corrections, and to the District Health Board to hopefully prevent something like this happening again. Tracy wrote a letter to Christy a year after her death. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it's actually, I believe that it is in a book and it'll be linked in the show notes, but um, she actually co-authored a book. And it said that Brian also deals with guilt from being away from the home. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I read something somewhere that the police assured him that they would be checking in all the time yeah and he had to work he had to support his family right what do you do so could you even imagine being Mm. in that position in november of 2012 a legacy was set up in christie's name and it is called the christie marceau charitable trust through donations and through fundraising the trust helps annual scholarships for teenagers to attend a course through outward bound christie wanted to complete an outdoor challenge course through them but was never able to Her family also all has shoulder tattoos for her, and it symbolizes to them how Christy is always watching their backs. The link for that charitable trust where you can donate or find out other ways to help and share it will also be in the show notes, too. It's always so honorable, I guess is the word, to me when parents or loved ones of murder victims can go on to do to like champion new laws right. and, and do stuff, incredible things like that, because I don't know right. how you move on from that. Right. And have the strength to fight. To fight and to even just get up in the morning. Exactly. I don't know that I could be that strong. Me either. At, I really, at, honestly mm-hmm. speaking, I don't think that I could. So no. I just commend them. But yes. So they helped with the amendment of bail laws. Mm-hmm. And I believe that I'm sure that they had a hand or even completely did it on their own, that charitable trust. I was curious about Outward Bound after reading that it was one of her dreams mm-hmm. to complete a challenge or a course there. And on their website, they talk about how they help people reach their full potential through challenge in the outdoors. So it's kind of like, a. it seems like some of them are like outsourced outdoor survival courses mm. and challenges like obstacle yeah courses. like things like mm. that and they have a lot of different like they have a lot of things on their website so you could check that out that's outwardbound.co.nz cool but yeah so that was just a little tiny snippet of christy marceau's life and who she was and what happened to her and and her legacy the legacy that she's left behind wow i knew nothing about her neither had i it makes you question a lot of things i really started looking up a lot about the insanity plea yeah and not guilty by reasons of insanity like all of the mm-hmm. things surrounding insanity and mental health after i researched this case because it's just oh something that seems kind of like cut and dry on the outside but then when you read about it and these in cases like this yeah it is not at all no not at all no No. and i don't know so many balls were dropped during this right by so many various different departments Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i don't yes sure three mental health or three three experts Mm -hmm. interviewed him and studied him but that doesn't mean anything to me because he fooled a lot of people i don't know if we're ever gonna know if he was actually experiencing psychosis or if he just wanted to enact revenge on her Mm -hmm. or if there was a combination i don't know i mean he was obviously a smart guy yeah he was definitely smart and intelligent i feel like i mean there there's a chance that maybe he was compelled to do this but he didn't want to be in prison right it could have very i mean i 
don't doubt that he's narcissistic, that he was mm-hmm. depressed, and that he more than likely did have schizophrenia, but the ball was dropped, no yeah. matter what we look at it. And those right. he should have been monitored on those medications. Was he even taking those medications? Did he even right. check in anywhere? There was just... It was the just, system yeah. failed her, and it failed him, and it failed everyone involved. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah. Wow. Do you want to tell them where they can find us? All right. You can find us on Instagram at Cruel and Unusual the Pod. You can send us an email at Cruel and Unusual the Pod at gmail.com. I tweet. I tweet. At Cruel Unusual Pod. I also TikTok, and so does Katie sometimes. I do sometimes. I got to always look up and see what it is because I don't know. There's so many damn underscore and underscore unusual underscore the pod. That's it. That's a bit much. That's really a bit much. (laughs) We don't think about it sometimes naming our social media and having to say it out loud. (laughs) But you can find us on there or you can go to cruelinkmedia.com for merch and shit. Join our Facebook group, Cruel and Unusual, colon the group. And if you guys could please share this episode, Mm -hmm. talk about this and what happened to christy and who christy was Mm -hmm. because i don't think many people know about it not at least in the united states where a lot of our listeners are and i think it's important that people hear her story and not only what happened to her but the kind of person that she was because i feel like there's not that many people like that anymore right and her life (laughs) her life being cut so tragically short is so incredibly heartbreaking just for me, let alone, like, for me who doesn't even know her. Right. But, like, for her family mm-hmm. and her friends. And I just want more people to hear about her. Yeah. Um, and if you guys could go and rate our podcast. And subscribe. That would be great. Leave us a review. Get a cookie. Do the shit you <laughs> do. Get a cookie. Not really, but you could go get a cookie yourself. You, c- I mean, you could. You could. I'm going to get an Oreo after this. All right. Well, I'm so happy for you. All right, you guys. All right. We will see you next Thursday. Okay, love you. Bye. Love you. Bye.